Oh. Hello. I am requesting uh, at some point we get uh, a pulpit for the Oompa Loompa members of the congregation. <laughs> uh, so anyway, well, good morning. You guys excited to be here? God is so good every single day. And, uh, you know, most of you guys know, uh, let, let me go ahead and pray first. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Um, Lord, I just thank you for who you are. You're amazing. I thank you for your presence in this place today because it's your presence. It's your presence that does everything we need. And I would be nothing without your presence. And so, Lord, I just ask you to fill my mouth and move the things out that I don't need to say. And I just step under the anointing that you have today on my life. And, uh, Lord, I pray for everybody that's hearing this, Lord, uh, whether they're here today or they're online, Lord, that you would begin to prepare their heart and give them the encouragement in exactly what they need today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, now, you guys, a lot of you guys know that the last couple of years have been kind of difficult for us. And honestly, if you want to be honest, it's been probably the last 15 years with ever-increasing uh, crisis and drama and hard things to walk through, all the way up to five years ago, all the way up to two years ago, all the way up to even now. We're walking through a lot of hard stuff in our life, right? Uh, but I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here and, and, and moving with Jesus. And, you know, I've discovered some things along the way on how to become to be an overcomer. Don't we all want to be overcomers? Right? I mean, that's what we want to be in Jesus. And through him and his spirit and her, his power, we can be overcomers. And we can live in victory in every season of our life even the hard ones. And I've discovered some truths along the way and a little bit of wisdom as I've had to go through all these hard places uh, and stuck with Jesus in the last several years. And uh, the first one I've discovered is kind of ornery, and I've shared it with a lot of you guys, but I'll just share it with the whole congregation. This is my wisdom through all the things we've been through in the last years. You know what? Life on this planet, 75% of it just sucks. And can I get an amen? <laughs> It just is. It's hard. It's difficult. And we all have our 75% suck. But I also have discovered that 25% of it is brilliant and breathtaking and beautiful and a, reflex, a reflection of eternity that we get to spend forever with Jesus. And so it makes it worth it, right? And so I've learned a few things along the way. The thing is that our life, the Bible says we're just a vapor. We're just this tiny little blip in time, right? And so our lives are like this, right? And eternity is out here like this. And the unfortunate part is, and the perspective we need to get is that this little blip, yeah, 75% of it sucks. <laughs> and it's hard. But we have Jesus to go through it and walk through it with us. But the rest of it, is incredible in a lifetime that we'll spend with Jesus. So I've learned a few things along the way on how to become an overcomer because, um, you know, at one point through what we've been through the last several years, the Lord gave me a vision about a year ago. And about a year ago, I saw myself in worship and I saw, and it was like I was a giant boulder <laughs> at the top of a hill. And I had made it up the hill and the Lord just kicked me right over. And I was rolling. Now think about that. A boulder rolling is like you have momentum. If something gets in its way, its way it's going to get crushed. There's no stopping that boulder, right? And I realized that he was saying, even though we've been through so many hard things and all these difficult things in our life, like I had come to the point 
in my intimacy with him and my faith in him where there's no going back. There's nobody. There's no sickness. There's no person I could lose in my life. There's no person that could tell me God doesn't exist. There's nothing that can stop me from rolling down his hill anymore, right? The momentum is too much. And um, during that, when he gave me that vision, he also showed me a bunch of little boulders next to me, and he told me it's my turn to kick some down the hill. <laughs> so, my little boulders, I'm kicking you down the hill today. And that's what I'm going to do, <laughs> if you want it. So, you know what? Jesus even said that life is hard and that 75% of it sucks. In John 6, he said, I have told you this so you may have peace in me. Here on this earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And in Revelation 3.21, he says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit, on my, sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So if Jesus says we can have peace, even in this world filled with craziness and trials and sorrows, and that if we overcome to the end, we are, there are incredible rewards, uh, one of them being that we get to actually sit down on the throne with God and Jesus, can you even imagine? Then how do we get there, right? How do we become the overcomers that we're designed to be and get the peace that we need in this world? And there are a few things that he's kind of taught me along the way. You know, I still have a lot of feelings. I still have a lot of craziness. But I've learned some of these truths and learned to walk in these truths so that I can live a life and begin to still be successful. Number one, we need a paradigm shift. And that's just a fancy way of saying we need to change our perspective to God's perspective. We all walk around with filters that we look through life through, right? I mean, even sometimes we don't even realize it. But we walk around with filters that uh, filters from our past, we walk around with filters from our trauma. We walk around with filters from our history. We walk around with filters from our culture. You know, the perspective that somebody in another country has is totally different than uh, we spoiled Americans here, right? <laughs> you know? So we walk around with these filters on our life when really what we need to do is begin to ask God to remove those filters and help us to see life and this world from his perspective, right? And so, like... We just need to do that. Ask him to shift our perspective. It's kind of like, um, you guys know that I have a herd of chihuahuas at my house, right? And at least they love to jump up on my lap and lick, 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 lick. And at least three or times, four times a week, I get a giant chihuahua lick right across my glasses. Now, I'll tell you, <laughs> the first thing I do when that happens is not want to turn on a movie and Netflix and chill. Because I got slime. <laughs> on my glasses. I can't see right. I have to clear them off. I have to get a different perspective. And that's what we need to do uh, with God. We need to look at his perspective. And uh, acceptance. Another part of this first part is acceptance. Acceptance is huge in recovery. And why is it, it, it huge in recovery? Like our first, if you go to a step program, it's uh, the first step is all about we admitted we were powerless, right? Because what were we doing before? We were walking around not accepting reality. We were walking around saying, I can quit anytime I want. We were walking around saying, I don't have a problem. But at some point, we came to accept that we did have a problem and we needed help. And so acceptance in the Christian walk is the same thing. We need to accept. If Jesus says uh, that life is going to be hard, but he's never going to leave us, then we got we to gotta grab hold of that. You know, I remember the first time, then I went to celebrate recovery, and I heard the full serenity prayer. 
I mean, we've all heard the beginning part, right? God, grant me uh, the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can. And that's about accepting, right? But the middle part blew me away because when I was getting sober again, I had gone through some of the worst things in my life, and I was in so much pain. And the middle part says living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as a pathway to peace, taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, uh, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him in the next. Wow, did you catch that? I mean, for me, I was like, you mean my hardships can be a pathway to peace? And taking as he did this sinful word as it is, not as I would have it. Other programs say life on life's terms. And I got to tell you guys, I don't know about you, but I walked around for years uh, railing at things in my life. Every bad thing, every bad crisis, it's not fair. Why did this happen? It, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I have a very mouthy soul, all my friends know. <laughs> and the sooner I ex we accept that life is hard, but God's good, and he will walk through with us everything and give us the treasures that we need even at the end of the time, that he's here, and whatever comes my way, my perspective now that I've begun to change it to God's perspective is when a crisis happens, my first thought anymore is, and it's only taken practice over time, is, okay, well, we start this issue with we have the biggest God in the world on the throne. How are you going to help me through this one? Acceptance, right? That can be a big thing. Now, I'll give you a silly little story about accepting things just the way they are and how sometimes even the things that don't look like they're working out the way you want <coughs> are exactly the way God planned and he had something better <laughs> on the other side. This week, uh, Jay and I, on his day off, we went out and did a little run some errands. And uh, I, one of my favorite things to do is I love to go take pictures of nature. I love to take pictures of flowers and sunsets and the ocean and animals and people and, and God's creation because it's the one of the ways that like I'm the closest to him is in his creation. It's amazing to me, right? So that night, one, on his night off, we decided we were going to go out to the Badger Creek sunflowers, right, and take some pictures. And so we get out there and uh, just about time, we're just about pulling up to the park and I'm a little disappointed because I'm like, ah, we're here a little early. I really wanted to be here at sunset, right? So you can get some of the perfect pictures and all that kind of stuff. And so we pull in only to find out that the sunflowers are not in the same place planted this year. In fact, they are clear across the park on the other side of the park. And you can see them from the place we were in the park about a mile and a half away, but we couldn't find a way to get to them. So we spent an hour driving around and going in and out. And I got to tell you, I was, I was in acceptance. I, I, for once, I was in acceptance. And I was like, this is just an adventure with Jesus, right? My husband, I'm going to throw him under the bus a little bit. I already told him I was going to do that. He got a little frustrated. He's like, oh, you know, why didn't they? And they put it wrong on the site. And he's getting a little frustrated. Now, in his defense, he was only frustrated because he loves to do things that delight me. And he wanted me to be there at just the right time. He wanted to get to, he didn't want to miss it, right? So we finally pull in right at sunset. And this was God's plan for the evening. Right? No need to rail. He had beautiful plans for me. 
you know? So acceptance, that's one of the first things. My sweet baby. Uh, the next thing that I've learned, number two, uh, you got to learn to be an overcomer. you got to learn to take your head off the throne. You've got to choose faith over fear. Your head cannot be in charge. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of true knowledge of God. And listen to this. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. 1 John 5, 4 through 5. You see, every child of God overcomes the world for our faith is victorious power that triumphs over the world. So who are the world conquerors? Defeating its power? Those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You know what, guys? We choose, we choose where we let our head go. I know a lot of times we like to believe that feelings and thoughts just happen and we can't control them, but that is not the truth. We choose. Now, is it hard sometimes uh, to uh, direct your head back to God's thoughts from your own nervous and anxious thoughts? Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, we like our own thoughts sometimes. Even if they're bad thoughts, they're familiar, and, and we just go over them and over them in our head, and it's hard to give up uh, those thoughts that are our own. And it's a process to begin to wrestle those thoughts that are in your head that you know aren't God's, you know are anxiety, you know are worry, you know are things that aren't yours. It's a process of replacing those thoughts with God thoughts. And, uh, you know, I had a moment when Jay was sick. You know, a couple years ago, he, uh, he went through three emergency surgeries and almost lost his life. And, and he was out of work for nine months and it started off even before that he already had an issue he had a, a sore back his back was hurt for two weeks and he was in a car accident we didn't know what was going on he couldn't you know couldn't work and so at this time I'm running around like a crazy person in the car doing all the errands that my wonderful husband does because I'm a princess and he treats me well and so I'm running around doing all these things grocery paying the bills getting the gas doing the things and I'm having a, I'm a little frustrated and I'm having a conversation with God and I started to remind him of his word. <laughs> I said, all right, Lord, Romans 8, 28. <laughs> all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. And that's us, all right? That's us. I don't know how you're going to work this out, God, but this is what you say is true. And I felt and heard so loudly in my spirit with a big smile with it. The Lord say, you just wait and watch and see how I'm going to work this out for your good. I was like, okay then, I'm not going to worry where we're going to get the money from. I'm not going to worry how this is going to work out. And you know what? Things got a little worse first. <laughs> but this was true because what happened during that nine months was that my husband recovered, and he got better, and we had people all over helping us. We paid all of our bills. We didn't go on food stamps. We didn't ask for assistance. We didn't lose our house. Our church family and people surrounding community of Christians, the kingdom all over the world gave to us. And I'm going to tell you, when a big chap came in to pay a bill just when we needed it, my husband would weep over the goodness of God, because how many of you know guys like to be the provider? And here his daddy was providing for him. So, man, 
And, and, and he even taught me how to give during that time. The gifts that we're giving in, I was still tithing back and having fun with God and blessing other people. Man, did he come through on that one, right? He comes through, all right? But we have to. It's a conscious effort, and it's hard. And I got to tell you guys, I still don't even do it right sometimes. I look like a crazy person around my house occasionally because I'll start, you know, with a crisis. I can't do this. Ah! And I stop, and I'll instantly be like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I might even say it not with a good attitude, but I'm declaring the truth, and I'm saying I choose your way even though everything inside of me is trying to go the other way, right? You've got to take your head off the throne. The next thing, um, you have to learn to marinate in God's word and God's character and not the feeling, your feelings and circumstances. And this goes right along with the, 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 the one I just said. I have a very mouthy soul, <laughs> but he made me this way, and I'm a marinator. Another word for that would be an overthinker. My head goes, anybody? Anybody? <laughs> right? A whole church of overthinkers. And my head goes 147 miles an hour all the time. Um, <clears throat> but it matters what you marinate in, guys, because whatever you marinate in, you will become. And I began to ask God years ago for him to ring a bell or you know, wake me up the minute that I was obsessing with my feelings and my circumstances and not obsessing with him and what he says about this thing. And so uh, feelings are bad, you know. I mean, we are made up body, soul, and spirit. The body's easy. It's this house we live in, right? The spirit is easy. It's where God is and where he deposited every good thing you need for this walk. You just have to access it. Our soul is our mind, our will, our feelings, our emotions, our personality. And we got to get our mouthy souls under control because they're the things, that's the flesh. That's what the Bible calls the flesh. They're the things that will get us in trouble in this life. And feelings aren't bad. God made feelings. God has feelings, right? Um, but they can't, they can't be in charge. They can't drive the car of your, of your life. They can't be in charge. Uh, sometimes you need to take care of your feelings. You might need to go to a counselor, you know, and get some things. You might need to talk to a friend and vent it out and have them pray with you. Feelings aren't bad. The first verse that I ever memorized to marinate in, uh, to combat anxiety, because that's something that I struggle with, not so much anymore, but I struggled with it a lot to the point uh, in my 20s and, and early 30s to the point of uh, almost being agoraphobic and being afraid to leave my house. Can you imagine? <laughs> But this was the first verse God gave me in high school, and it was Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that I memorized. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, ask God only for what you need, always asking with a thankful heart. And God's peace, which is far beyond any human understanding, will keep your mind and your heart in union with Christ Jesus. Do you know I didn't memorize a lot of verses uh, for a few years after that, but that verse got me through hard things. That verse got me through abuse. That verse got me through c-sections and having babies and going in an mri that verse is what i try to marinate on when the anxiety comes another thing i marinate in instead of my feelings and my circumstances the names of god has anybody ever done a, done a study or google the names of god he has so many names and each one of the names in the bible reveal a part of his character and so sometimes it's good to just marinate into his character there are times when the enemy comes and, and and says god's not there for you he starts to lie about my god he's like he's not going to save you this time he's not going to answer that prayer he's not even listening to you he'll start telling me lies and so i'll be like eh, nope 
you know what? Thank you, Lord, that you're Jehovah Jireh. You're my provider. Thank you, Lord, that you're Jehovah Rohi. You're my, sh you're my shepherd. Thank you that you're Jehovah Rapha. You're my healer. Thank that you are Jehovah Shama. You're always there. Thank you that you are Jehovah Shalom. You are my peace, Lord. And at the end of doing that a couple of times, I'm settled in him, right? Because I'm marinating his character. I'm marinating in who God is. And here, this should blow you away. Here's a thing to marinate in. Did you know that Jesus is at the right hand of God praying for you right now? Come on. It's not the pastors praying for you. It's Jesus is praying for you. All right? Hebrews 7.25 says, So he is able to save fully from now throughout eternity everyone who comes to God through him because he lives to pray continually for him. Jesus is praying for you. On your worst days, marinate on that. The next thing, <clears throat> number four, we have to make a conscious decision not to go back into sin that we've been delivered from. And that's a hard one, you know? Uh, uh, the, because the minute the crisis comes, so does the enemy <laughs> come, right, to get us back into sin. Proverbs 26.11 says, Fools are famous for repeating their errors like dogs known to return to their vomit. Is that gross or what? Did you know that God could be that gross? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. There is not one word in the Bible that God didn't put there on purpose. So why did he say it that way, right? Why did he say it so graphically? And unfortunately, I have witnessed this <laughs> multiple times in my life with a, with a herd of chihuahuas, and it is horrific. Right? It's gross. It's disgusting. But he put it, I believe that he put it that succinct in his word because he wants to clear away what the enemy's trying to say. Because you know what? The enemy and our flesh make it seem so tempting, so good. Our flesh replays some altered version of our sin that looks so good. The enemy lies to us, tries to drag us back. Uh, you know, it's like the enemy puts on the, the pretty filter. The, the pretty filter, oh, this would be so much fun. This would be so good. Make you forget all the bad things that were associated with that sin, right? <clears throat> Full transparency. When Jay was sick, uh, we had, on the very worst day that he was in the hospital, after his second emergency surgery, they didn't get his pain medication right. And I've never seen a person in more pain than I saw my husband that night. And he was sweating, and he was screaming, and no, no amount of anything that I could do could make it better. I couldn't pray. I couldn't give scripture. I couldn't wipe his forehead with a wet brow. I couldn't, I couldn't make it better. And I was drained. By the time he finally got his, I mean, it was horrible. And a lot of you know what it's like to see that people that you love the most suffer. That's horrible. That's such a horrible, hard thing. And at the end of it, I was just drained. And I'm just at the end of all my resources. And guess who showed up? Tap, 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 tap. Hey, you know what would be a really good idea? You should just go to a patio somewhere in the sunshine with the beautiful clouds and listening to music, and you should just drink all day long. And instantly I saw a picture of peace and freedom, just like the enemy tempted Jesus in the desert and dropped pictures into his head. 
And somehow, by the grace of God, I said, no, thank you. <laughs> that is not who I am, right? And the grace of God and the power of God met me in that moment and gave me the strength to make a dis different decision, right? I had made a conscious decision not to go back. And you know what? You know, it was real peace watching my husband get better and come back to me and live with him. You know, it was real peace not going back to my same sin and drinking and having to tell all the beautiful young women that I'm discipling, guess what? Your mama just drank last night. That was peace. You know what was peace? Watching God perform miracle after miracle on behalf. You know what was peace? Celebrating my 40th anniversary with my best friend, sober. That was peace. And you can do it too. The last thing, you got to stay connected, guys. You got to stay connected. First, you got to stay connected to God. I'm not going to, I didn't throw Psalm uh, 143 up there, but go read it sometime. It's one of my favorites. And there are, just read any Psalm. King David is one of my favorite characters in the Bible because he was a passionate man, full of feelings and emotion. He was creative, he was a poet and a musician, and so he had this passionate, fiery heart and love for God, and, uh, but he also had a really weak, uh, weak flesh, right, and a foolish flesh, and so I loved him, but what I love about King David is you read some of his psalms, he, he always was honest, brutally honest with God. He was like, God, why have you forsaken me? Lord, my enemies are overcoming. He would just like lay it all out before God. But you know what? He didn't stay there. At the end of it, he would always say, but God, you are this way. You, he would declare who God really was over his circumstances. And God did miracles for him, you know? Um, that honesty that you begin to have with God, when, when you share the good, the bad, and the ugly with him, and you find out that he still sticks around, it, you develop intimacy with God. I spent, I spent years running away from God. I spent years running. Every time I did something wrong, I just ran away from him because I was sure he was disappointed and I was sure he was mad and I needed to get better before I came back. And when my mentor convinced me that when, what I needed to do the opposite was run straight towards him when I blew it and just let it all out. Frustration, foolishness, weakness, all of it. That's when my life began to transform. So you've got to stay connected to God, and you've got to let him through every single thing. And you know what? I am the kind of person that I'm brutally honest with God. Like, I had a forgiveness issue years ago. I had to deal with God, and here's how I talk to God. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, here's the thing. I pretty much hate this person. <laughs> I want to teepee their house and put dog poop on their porch. I do. That's just the truth. He already knew it was in there, <laughs> right? And I said, but you know what? Forgiveness is really important to you. It's so important that you send Jesus. You sent Jesus for me to be forgiven. And so, Lord, I choose forgiveness. I choose your way. And I got to tell you, I don't have any way at all to work up those feelings or make that happen, but I choose your way, all right? And you know what? He helped me forgive this person, and I'm in relationship with this person again, right? Choosing. Sometimes we don't have to feel it to choose God's way. You can be a screaming fool in your kitchen saying, I choose forgiveness, 
and God will still, all of heaven will still go to work for you. Amen? And Zephaniah 3.17 says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. With his love, he will calm your fears. He will rejoice with you over, over you with joyful songs. I got to tell you, there was a moment 30 years ago when I was a pool of tears on my bathroom floor because I was at the deepest pit in my addiction. And I had blown my life up. I had hurt my spouse. I had destroyed some friendships. And I was at the lowest low I've ever been in my life. Now, I'm not a person who's ever struggled with suicide. It's just not one of the things I struggle with. But in that moment, I couldn't see a pathway up off that floor. I didn't know how I could even sit up and take one step to get out of that bathroom. And I cried my heart out to God. And I cried my heart out to God. And you know what? A miracle happened. All of a sudden, he came and he sat down in that room. And I could feel the presence of God holding me and helping me. And somehow, quietly and stilly, I had the strength to stand up and take that first step and get off that bathroom floor. That's the kind of God he is. That's who he is, and that's what he'll do for you, even in your most broken places and most foolish, I made the most mistakes I've ever made places. That's why we need him, guys. Run towards him, not away from him. The other thing we need to stay connected to is we got to stay connected to each other, kids. I do not have uh, what I need for this journey on this earth, and neither do you. You know what? I need some of what Lola's got. I need some of what Sarah's got. I need some of what Cody's got back there. I need some of what, I need a whole lot of what Andrea's got. <laughs> I need something. You know what? This morning, I needed what Red and Amelia had. Because I struggle with a pretty severe asthma, and I got up way too late today. <laughs> and my lungs hadn't had a chance to open up. And no matter how hard I coughed, um, I, it was that tight cough where you know it's not opening up, right? So I'm sitting there in worship, and I heard the Lord say, tell Amelia and Red to pray for you. Lay hands on your back. So I turned around and said, guys, will you do me a favor and just put your hands on my back and pray for my lungs to open up? And they did. And guess what? They opened up within the next two minutes, and I can breathe, and I can talk. <laughs> so thank you, Jesus. I needed what they had today, you know? I, we, we don't have what we need on this earth. And here's the thing. 2 Corinthians 1.4 says, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled. We will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. And you know what? The enemy likes to get us alone, guys. Sometimes we like to get alone in the corner by ourselves and lick our wounds. We think that's what we need. But that's what the enemy wants. Because how many of you know a little sheep licking their wounds all alone is going to get taken out? But we are stronger in numbers, right? And we need each other to lift each other up. And sometimes, you guys, I'm going to admonish you today, you can't expect everyone to know that you're in a tough place. Sometimes you have to be brave enough to ask because we're all going around dealing with our 75% of suck. <laughs> and sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we miss it. And so be brave enough to say, hey, I'm struggling this week, or I just need prayer. Or could you just, you know, you want to go to lunch? You know, we need to be brave enough to ask some people sometimes, you know. 
I'm convinced that <clears throat> victory and overcoming in God's eyes does not look the same as what victory in the world is and being an overcomer in the world. The world says victory is success and money and wealth and reputation and uh, all kinds of things, right? Uh, but let me give you a little testimony of what victory really is. I maintain that when I turned to God and cried out to God on that bathroom floor, I was already in victory. I just didn't get the full manifestation of it yet. So we need to be declaring that in our hardest places. Thank you, Lord, that you're giving me the victory. You don't see it, but thank you, Lord, that you're doing it. Because there's going to be a day when you're going to see it, and you're going to be happy that you waited well on the bridge. You know? You're going to be happy that you're, like, you know, declaring victory, declaring victory, declaring victory, instead of whining and doubting God. I've done that, too. <laughs> I've done that, too, and it's not near as fun <laughs> as declaring the victory and then watching him do it. Because then I'm like, oh, I was so dumb, Lord. <laughs> I was so dumb. You were exactly who you said you were, and you did exactly what you said you would. But I missed it. Help me be better next time, right? So my little two-minute story that I'll end with. Um, you know, some of you know a little bit of my testimony, a little bit of my story. I grew up in a really hard place, like a lot of us did. My parents turned 17 just shortly after I was born. They got married, because that's what you did in the 60s, and then they got divorced. And my dad was essentially an absent parent my whole life. And uh, enter my stepdad. My stepdad uh, was a raging alcoholic. Uh, he was a violent drunk. Uh, he was emotionally abusive, physically abusive. Um, and uh, my mom was struggling with mental illness her whole life that she was refusing to ever get help for. And so her focus wasn't on me. Um, he, to boot, he had another kid in the house. And it became really clear to me that I wasn't a part of the family. The family was my brother and my mom and my dad, stepdad, but I was just out there on my own. And so I had a really tough life. I mean, he was abusive. My mom was abusive, neglectful. I mean, I could tell you horror stories, but I'm not going today because the point is that I remember when I was 12 years old, I figured out that my birthday, my, my, my 18th birthday was on a Friday and I had made a declaration to myself then I was moving out on Saturday. And I did exactly that. In October of my senior year, at 18 years old, I moved out. I got a job. I had a roommate. I worked full time, went to school part time. And I was never going back to that house. The only time I really wanted to be around my folks early on was uh, if I can manipulate something from them, right? If I could get some money or some drugs, I'd hang out with them. But I, had, I, I, I pretty much hated them in my heart. Right? Well, cue today and cue 40 years of God working on my heart and me learning these principles and overcoming and choosing forgiveness. He's transformed me into a whole entire different person, you guys. And the testimony with my parents today is miracles that I never thought would happen. Now, there's still struggles and problems. There are. But my mom, my mom had the last couple of years ended up in her house, hoarded house, deep in her mental illness, with dementia, not clean, with no one, no light, and frustrated and angry and acting out and having a horrible life. Through a lot of struggle the last couple of years and four or five care centers and four or five hospitals, 
I ended up now, my mom is in a beautiful care center that she's being well taken care of. She has friends. She's clean. She's in the sunshine. And every time that I walk in that room, she goes, oh, I'm so happy to see you. And she's excited, and she's letting me care for her. And it's like she's become my child that I love and I have affection for. I always, before, just put, like, boundaries on my mom, right? You know, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you in Jesus, but I, I got to have boundaries, you know? You're not my friend. You're not at my table. I don't have affection for you. I just love you in Jesus. And I tell you what, the first time this started happening, I, it kind of messed me up a little bit. <laughs> I had to go see my therapist, <laughs> I was like, I am unprepared for the affectionate feelings that I am feeling for my mother. And God has done a miracle. And not only a miracle in me, because my mom didn't treat me bad because she was a bad person. She treated me bad because she was treated badly. And she was broken. And so now was my opportunity to care for her and love her and make her feel safe like she never did before. That's what God does. My dad, my stepdad, the raging alcoholic that used to beat me and do all these things to me and that I never wanted to see again when I moved out, 40 years sober, guys. 40 years sober today. <clears throat> and more than that, more than 40 years sober, over the last 20 years, he's become a dad to me. I don't even call him my stepdad anymore. I call him dad because he's earned the right to be my dad now. He was a good grandpa to my kids, and he's been a good dad. But in the last couple of years, dealing with mom, and now he's terminally ill, man, we've had beautiful moments where he's told me how much he loves me. And one in particular, a couple of months ago, he got yet a second terminal, more terminal illness. Way fun, right? <clears throat> and I'm sitting with him, and I'm holding his hand in the hospital, and he's crying, and he's looking at me, and he's saying, and I'm making sure that he knows Jesus, and he's saying, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful I have you to go this, through this with. And I'm like, you know what? You're never going to be alone, Dad. All the way. We're going to pray for miracles, and we're going to prepare, and you're not going to be alone ever. Now, is that victory? Is that overcoming? I had no ability to do this. And honestly, I was just happy with having peace with them. So this is like the cherry on the on the top of the ice cream sundae that I have these feelings and I'm seeing these kind of things in them. You know, it's a miracle. And that's who our God is, you guys. I promise you, there are treasures and rewards to doing it God's way. And it doesn't feel like in the middle of it. I still have all kinds of emotions and I had all kinds of emotions and thoughts that I had to lay down <laughs> and say, no, not today, Satan. I'm doing it God's way. But it's possible, and I promise you that he has things for you in your hard places and treasures at the end of them when you do them his way that you can't even imagine. You know who else was an overcomer? Jesus. Come on. The cross didn't look like victory, <laughs> but it was. And in fact, he fooled the enemy. The enemy thought, woo, I did it this time. But he was wrong. And I think sometimes that's part of what God does. With the things that we go through and the 75% of suck, he's working things out in us and changing us and healing us and doing things. But I also think that he sometimes puts us in hard situations like Job, or allows us to be in hard situations like Job or uh, like Jesus so that the enemy can be fooled when the victory comes, right? 
the victory comes. Jesus was an overcomer. He overcame, and so you can too. Let's bow our heads. Now, maybe you came here today and you're like, man, that sounds like (laughs) sci-fi. That that God could change a relationship like that into that. Or some of the stories I've told you about God intervening in my life, that doesn't even sound real. And maybe you just came here, this is the first time you're here, or you're just hearing it online for the first time. And you don't know who Jesus is. And you're like, man, I need that. I need what she's talking about. I need that kind of overcoming spirit. Because right now, life isn't 75% suck. It's 100% suck. You know what? I don't believe there's any mistakes. I believe you're here for a reason. And so if you've never asked Jesus and just surrendered and said, okay, I've tried it my way long enough. I'm going to try it your way. Then I invite you today to just pray with me. Just just pray with me. So everybody, with your eyes closed, if you'll just pray with me, if that, it, raise your hand. If that's you today and you want to accept Christ for the first time, then, then we're going to all pray with you. So just repeat after me. Dear Lord, I thank you for your Savior. And right now, I accept Jesus into my heart. Come and forgive me of all my sins. And come in and empower me to be the overcomer that you are. And thank you for what you're doing in my life. And thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. And now I'm just going to pray for the rest of you. Lord, um, God, I just thank you for who you are. I know there are people that needed to hear this message, Lord. seems like the world is ever um, increasingly going through horrible, hard things, and especially your people, especially the kingdom. And so, God, I just pray right now that you would just infuse them uh, with the power that they need to overcome this week and for the rest of their lives. Lord, that they would begin to take some of these principles at heart and begin to choose your way, even in the hard places, Lord, that you would show them miracles on the other end with their steps of obedience and with them pointing their face towards you. And you know what? Remind them that it's not even about a bunch of steps, that they're at such a broken place that five things to do seems too much. Remind those people that are in that place today that if they just say, Jesus, Jesus, that you're right there. God, I thank you that you overcame and that you are making us overcomers too. In Jesus' name, amen. Go be an overcomer.